Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Introducing the new Starbucks Pistachio Cream Cold Brew. Silky Pistachio Cream Cold Foam tops our bold, smooth cold brew for a delicious twist on a favorite winter flavor. Make today a good day. Order ahead on the Starbucks app. You have entered the Psycho Circus. Welcome to the show. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. Christmas for Christmas. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast, and man, do we got a treat for you KISS fans today. My name is Aaron Camaro. I've got a partner in crime right here on this show, and that is my main man right here, Chris Sinzak. Are you ready for Christmas at Christmas time? Yeah, we've got a nice present, I think, for you guys this week. Yeah, everybody's going to love this one a lot. It's been a minute since we've done Albums Unleashed, and it's kind of been a little bit since we've done anything with Kiss specifically. But today, we combine two of your favorite things as we do a deep dive on the sometimes hated, sometimes loved, it's Psycho Circus. Yeah, this should be fun. We had uh, Mike Plotnikoff, who was the engineer on this record, who kind of the right-hand man to Bruce Fairbairn, who produced it. And uh, Mike had a whole lot to tell us today, and uh, we got a—I think we got a lot of answers to some questions people have had for a long time. Yeah, for sure, stuff that I never knew. We're going to learn today. It's very cool, man. As a Kiss fan, I can tell you. As you'll see, I kind of explained to Mike that you know, as a point of view, like somebody from Chris and myself's age, we grew up in the era of no makeup Kiss. 
but we had the albums, we had pictures and magazines and everything else to look back on and yearn for the days of yesteryear. Way back in the 70s, we were stuck in the 80s. And we thought, man, if this band could just get back together and be that again. But as you know, as well as I do, in the 80s, that never looked like it was going to happen. Yeah, not in my opinion. I, I never thought they were going to get back together. But of all times, comes rolling around the 90s, and not even grunge can stop Kiss when they reunite. And then it's the tours and the, the amazing fame and all the people that grew up told me that Kiss sucked were like, man, I got tickets to see Kiss and I can't wait to go. Or I just got back from Kiss and it was the greatest thing I ever seen. And we're like, man, I was a Kiss fan when Paul Stanley was showing his thong in the 80s. Oh, boy. Damn it. You know? <laughs> Love the album. Hate the, hate the photo. <laughs> yeah, I know. So then comes the reunion, and then they say, we're going back in the studio, we're making a new album, and I'm so excited. And then it comes out, it's, it's, you know, it's got some great stuff, it's got some not-so-great stuff on it, but you feel good because Kiss was able to get back together, all four original members, and come out with a new album, only to find out later on that's not exactly the way it went. Yeah, and you know, and you know, as we'll get into it with Mike, you know, hats off to him and Bruce for the production technique used because I mean, the sound of the album is great. Oh you know, yeah, it's a very well produced record. The the song choices are a little odd and he, you know, a little bit of head scratchers. But uh, yeah, we get into all that with Mike. So we're not going to do a review this week because we've got one. It's really long and really involved and super awesome. We'll save it for next week. Yeah, but we do have some Geeks of the Week, the people that shared on Facebook and retweeted on Twitter. Last week's New Noise December edition, I thought that was a good one. Yeah, it was fun. A lot of different cool stuff going on in the world of rock. Some stuff crazy, some stuff super cool, but all fun to talk about. Yep, Geeks of the Week this week are Adam Cox, Rock and Ron Runyon, Matt Ashcraft, Mike Parnell, The Plug Podcast, The Rock and Metal Profs Podcast, Kevin Williams, Jay Shabluski, Pantheon Podcast, Ray Coon, Shane Abair, Aaron Baker, David Glenn, Keith Rockford, Mark Alden Taylor, Mark and Jerry BS Sessions, Shay Hargett, Sit and Spin with Joe, JJ McElhenney, Doug Fox, Hakon Bergstad, Mikhail Burrell, Greg, Gregory Muse, Kevin's on Fire, Dennis Jajetovic, Vet Halen, Eladio, Kristen Schimbeck, David Cathy, Scott Crouch, and as always, the, the Mooger Fooger. Oh, yeah, those are our people. When they saw that we had posted on our Facebook page, when they saw that we tweeted on the Twitter, that we had a new episode last week, and they shared it, and they retweeted it, and therefore, we keep track of it because we like to give them the honor of being Geeks of the Week. You can be one, too. All you got to do is the same thing as these fine folks with this week's episode. Get out there and share this with us. Send this to your favorite KISS fans because they're going to want to hear it as we talk about Psycho Circus. And if you do that, next week you'll be included as a Geek of the Week. All right, so are you ready to get to it? Here we go, people, with Mike Plotnikoff. It's KISS, Psycho Circus, Albums Unleashed, right here on the Decibel Geek Podcast. Uh, let's let's go back first. Like I was a huge Kiss fan, right? So to be able to even do the record, same thing. I grew up on Kiss. I think the first record I got was Kiss Alive, 
one. And then I remember when I got Destroyer and I remember sitting and just looking at the album covers and same thing, you know, the back cover of Kiss Alive or Kiss, yeah, Kiss Alive one. And I just remember looking and, you know, it has the crowd picture and, and uh, so everything I listened to, you know, since I was probably in the third grade was Kiss up till, you know, they were like my huge influence. So when I got to work with them, it was amazing. And same thing too, you know, like I, I wasn't a big fan of the eighties kiss, even though I appreciated the songs and I thought they had good songs, but it wasn't, it wasn't the original for me either. But when, you know, I found out they were getting back together and then, and then to do the record with Bruce was, was amazing. And yes, now like making a record, there were other people that played on the record, but Ace and Peter did play on the record. And, you know, for them being apart that long, coming in to do a record, you know, they were, and and because they hadn't played live much together and all of a sudden they came back together. And now we have to go perform in the studio together when they had their problems, even though they fixed them to make the record and then go out on tour just to get some of the tracks. We did have to use other players on the record, but Peter and Ace were involved in this record and without their energy, without their energy being there, it could never have been a kiss record. So, you know, to obviously to make the record and to sonically go out and to compete in the market, there was, yes, we had to bring in some session players, but Peter and Chris, P or Peter and Ace did play on the record and they played, you know, some songs they played entirely through is their songs and some songs, obviously we used Tommy, you know, Thayer, which is, is part of Kiss now. And we used, uh, even uh, Bruce Cullick came in and played some stuff. So in a sense, it really was a Kiss record, but yes, there was other player, you know, some other play, but it was all part of the Kiss band, you know. Right. But yeah, so I wanted to, add, yeah, because so you mentioned, you you know, you grew up on Kiss and you mentioned that in the book. And um, so I let me take me back to when, uh, you know, when you got the call that you're going to be working on a Kiss record with the original band. I mean, like, what, what was that moment like when you found that out? I don't know. It was, uh, yeah, it's like, it's, it's hard to say, you know, to go back there, but I just remember thinking like, yeah, this was like my favorite band and I can't believe I get to make a record with them. And, you know, I had some other big records that, that I did, you know, prior to that, but when it was Kiss, it was just, it was something special because to me, Kiss was like, that was it. I remember having like the Kiss belt buckle and the Kiss, you know, always the Kiss t-shirts and being part of the Kiss army. And so... It was, they were just different than every other band, you know. They they made what I think rock is, that show that bigger than life, that you're looking at something that you haven't seen before, even with the fire and all that, you know, and the serpents coming out of the stage. And, the, mm -hmm. you know, you, you just, you looked at it. And back then you're going as a kid, like, man, and in color, because, you know, you got to think we're just coming out of the 60s, 70s. Now you have this, this these amazing colors and and the show and you're going like wow this is crazy like somebody out there from space you know they're not from earth you know they're from another planet and that's what made it cool too like like who are these creatures because every other rock band they're just a rock band and going up and being cool but then kiss brings this thing where like are they from you know you know from yeah. other planets and they all came together they're all from you know the demon and you got the star child and you know it, it's just you the cat so yeah. like did they all come from four different planets and meet on earth <laughs> and, you know so that's always the envision i got when i saw a kiss it was just this bigger thing that they weren't even from earth this band 
Yeah. They came from multiple planets. So yeah. So working with them, it, it was, it was amazing, you know, it was, well, I noticed, you know, on the on the credits, it says that uh, it was recorded at between A and M Hollywood one on and one on one in New York City. Was, was there ever talk in the early stages of them coming to Little Mountain to do the record there? Well, at that time, Little Mountain had been gone, so oh, it was and, over. Okay. Yeah, it was over for quite a while, and I remember going like Bruce Fairburn and I were flying to actually London to do a record. This is how it, this is how the record started. So we're supposed to go to London to do this record, a band called Never the Bride. And Bruce got a call saying that Kiss are in Winnipeg, Canada, Winnipeg, Manitoba, playing a show, and they want to meet with you to do a record as we were flying to London. So we changed our flights to land in Winnipeg, do a me- just stay the night, do a meeting. We weren't, weren't even able to go see them play catch another flight and go to London. So we went out for breakfast with Gene and their manager in the hotel lobby. And that's when the first meeting took place. And then, and then I remember Bruce telling me, yes, we, you know, we got the record. I don't know who else they interviewed on it, but then one-on-one, I forget why we did it all there. Cause we could have came and did it at Bruce's studio, but I think the band wanted to do it all in LA. I think they just got off tour and they mm-hmm. said they they didn't want to go anywhere. They wanted to be home with their families. So that's why, because usually Bruce would say, well, I'll come to my studio in Vancouver and do the record. But we, we just ended up doing it all in one-on-one. Uh, gotcha. And we did it at a, a little bit at A&M, too. I don't mm-hmm. remember doing any in New York, though. We, we mixed it in New York. Well, that, that's probably what it's referencing. You yeah. Know, so we're going to do, we'll do a little bit of Wikipedia factor fiction because there's some stuff on Wikipedia that I think is wrong on here about this record, too. Yeah. Cause yeah, it wasn't, we recorded it all. Uh, we, we did most of it at one on one and then we moved over to AM and did like back a uh, lot of vocals and actually Ace's guitar solos we did at, a- at AM studio. Oh, okay. So that was that was there. And uh yeah, so it was between those two studios and then mixed by Mick Gazowski in New York, but it was at his home studio in upper upper New York. Oh, gotcha. So it was it's listed as recorded between January and April of nineteen ninety eight. Do you remember it being that short of a timeline? Yeah, that that's probably on? about right, yeah. That's a that's a very quick turnaround for a record, especially with those expectations. Yeah, they had all the songs though, and Bruce, you know, liked it. I guess Gene was compiling songs for a long time, and Bruce and him went through it, and and you know, so they had the material. And mm-hmm. and one one thing Ace mentions in this book um, is that he says that you know he he had gone home to New York and New Jersey after the reunion tour. Like, you know, they all went home for a while, but he says that, like, a lot of the songs had been recorded by the time he got out to L.A. Do you remember that being true? Yeah, you know, Tommy had recorded a lot of this stuff, you know, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was before he got out there or after. Like, I don't remember because I know Tommy was recording some of this stuff as well and Paul recording, you know, so was and Paul doing his guitar parts, uh, Tommy, Tommy was doing guitar parts, and then Ace was left to the sol- mostly solos. You know, I don't know. I know he played rhythm definitely for sure on his song. I don't know how much rhythm yeah. he played, but I would yeah. have to go back. But it was definitely, you know, between you know, I know Tommy did a lot of guitars on that record as well. So, yeah, I mean, the the, the typical you know thing line that people go by is that the only song with all four guys on it at the same time is "Into the Void." Yeah, that's for sure. That one. I think yeah. there's one other one too on there that's awful. 
Could you name the well, list of this? Uh, is P- what's Peter? Yeah, we'll we'll end up going track by track. We always do that. Okay. Um, but uh, but there was an interesting thing, and I remember reading this in Metal Edge magazine. It was when the album was being made. It was around March of 1998, and I actually did end up finding the article for some reason on MTV.com. But uh, and I remember reading this. There was a site called AceFraley.com that was popular at that time. This is the early days of the internet. And there was rumors that they had spread on there talking in um, Jerry Miller from Metal Edge, you know, interviewed Gene about this. And like the rumors were that infighting was at an all time high and that um, Gene and Paul had uh, rejected all of Ace and Peter's song ideas. And Gene came back and said, we're getting along better than ever. And it's all Bruce is the one making the decision on rejecting or taking songs, and he's rejected a lot of mine and Paul's songs. How do you remember that situation? Well, again, that's between the band and the producer. Me coming in in the engineer as an engineer, I'm not privy to a lot of uh, who was picking who was picking the songs and who wasn't picking the songs. You know, I mm-hmm. so I don't I don't know. You know, right. and obviously, like you know, when I work on records, you hear like you know, I know there's people looking to put their songs on and why why they get picked or not i don't know but again i, I wasn't really in those conversations of, yeah. of when bruce and and gene were picking the songs or whoever decided it could have been the you know management record label there could have been a, a lot of people involved and you know who knows what the demo sounded like i don't know so yeah I, yeah and i didn't get to hear any of the demos or whatever got submitted for the record I don't, I don't. So you're in when it's time to pull the trigger and record. That's when your part starts, right? Exactly. So for me to go back and say like, how, why were these songs picked? That would def, that would be producer, band, management, label. Nothing, nothing to do with me at all. I'm just like, yeah. okay, now the band is here. Let's, you know, I know who shows up each day, and I got to mic their instruments and you know get their performance while they're playing. You know, so that that's my job. Right. Hmm. So when Ace Fraley and Peter Chris are in the studio, do they not have a problem with the other guys playing on the songs? I mean, are they totally cool with that? Could I feel tension? And it's like that with every band. You know, you go into a record and, you know, other people play sometimes their parts. Uh, There is a problem. As far as Peter and Ace, I don't know how they took it, but I'm sure there was like tension when the band's not playing their parts. But when the other guys were playing, they weren't in the studio. They wouldn't come to the studio. So, like, it's not like Ace was there when Tommy was playing his parts and going, like, I could play these. So he doesn't know. Now, if there's conversations outside the studio, Mm -hmm. that would be, again, I wouldn't be privy to those conversations and know what was happening once I left the studio. Especially if Ace wasn't there and saw what Tommy was playing or vice versa, or if they didn't tell Tommy... Mm-hmm. I don't know how they took it, you know. Yeah. Well, and I, in the book, you a quote you had, it was that it, it was more of a, it wasn't so much a Gene and Paul decision on not having Ace and Peter have final tracks on certain things. It was more of a Bruce decision to bring in Tommy and Kevin Valentine to, to, to play a lot of those parts. Yeah, I think Bruce felt, you know, and I, I would be, you know, I don't know because he's not here to to give this, but I would I I felt like Bruce at the time thought that Peter and and Ace weren't up to their level to play. Were they couldn't play good enough to make mm-hmm. to make the record happen and for Bruce to make the record he needed to make and to deliver, and that the band expected him to deliver. And being 
in the year 2000 when we started going to computers and records started, the, the production started being really, really good, you know, the, the difference in production from the 70s, even though, you know, we're trying to make a capture a Kiss record, but you also have to go with the times. I think that Bruce felt like Ace and Peter's chops weren't there to play on on these songs, and especially who knows what the single is going to be. And obviously back then we did it. It's all, you know, we don't have, like nowadays we have computers. We could have fixed it all. But back then you, you needed the, the band to be able to play it live. Right. And, and without making mistakes and spending, you know, six months in the studio for people to get their parts right. Not saying that that's what it would be, but, right. you know, and Bruce is very, Working with Bruce, he was very frugal. Like I've worked with different producers and they'll go longer and, you know, spend, you know, blow out the budget sometimes if it takes. But Bruce was very frugal. He always wanted to come in under budget. So what he didn't care what the band thought. It was, I'm going to work from this hour to this hour. He was like super militant and he wouldn't let, you know, and it worked, you know, there would be uh, conflicts sometimes because the bands would want to be loose and, you know, but Bruce, we always called him the, the little man that carried the big stick, like everybody would be having fun in the studio talking. And the minute Bruce walked in the room, everybody just like, <laughs> everybody, it was like a, your, the meanest teacher walking into the room. And that's oh, how wow. he, he ran it. So that makes perfect sense. Why it didn't work out great for Ace Frehley and Peter Chris, because they are the opposite of that, you know? Yeah. The opposite. And, you know, I think, you know, Bruce gave him ample room probably to rehearse and stuff because he will give him that. But He's not going to sit. He just has no tolerance for, and because he's such a talented musician himself, like Bruce is like a classically trained, you know, horn player. You know, he's very musical, plays like a lot of instruments, and he's just one of those musical geniuses. He could do everything, sing, play guitar, keyboards, drums, horns, chart out music. So for him, anybody that's not at that level of musicianship, it's like, you know, It'd be like an NBA player trying to teach us, you and I, how to slam dunk. It's just not going to happen. And that's, yeah, right. that's how Bruce felt. So it's like, well, I'm not, and just like I said, he, he didn't have the patience. So it's like, well, I'm bringing in what I need to make this record. Whether you like me or not, I don't care. I'm going right. home at seven o'clock. I'm not your friends and I'm not going to be your friend at, during this or after this. I'm here <laughs> to make a record and that's it. So, wow. That's, yeah. And that's how Bruce was. And, you know, people respected him, but he had the, yeah. He had the talent and musical ability to back all that, you know, to run that tight ship like that. Right. And you did, you know, you did several other projects with him. And I, obviously, and I, I know I was watching a cool interview you did with Warren Hewitt uh, earlier where you mentioned that, you know, Get a Grip by Aerosmith was, you know, probably the first big one that you worked on with Bruce. Yeah. Um, how did working with Kiss compare to working with other bands like Aerosmith or was it similar or were, were they harder to work with? No, you know what? It's, I would say... Aerosmith and Kiss were probably along the same in the, close to the same, you know, like the, the, it's high expectations. Like when you work with Aerosmith or Kiss, like they, you know, you work with Gene, he's, you know, he's a huge icon. These guys are rock stars. There's a reason he's Gene Simmons. So they expect this quality of work and mm. it's at a very high level and you have to come in there and he runs the show. So it's like, there's no doubt. Gene knows what he wants, even though Bruce is the producer. But Bruce is there to get the, to you know, hold the band together because Gene couldn't do it. He just wants this product that's going to be bigger than life, and I could go make as much money as I can and tour the world to sixty thousand people. I don't care how you get me that record, 
So you guess this right. producer comes in there, I'm going to be the tough guy and I got to hammer nails and, you know, build it here. Well, if you can't do it, you know, so, but Steven and Joe are like that as well. They have yeah. that bigger than life persona. So when they come in the room, it's Aerosmith. They know what they want. There, There's a reason there are these big arena rock bands who've, you know, been around since, you know, since we were, you know, born, you know, and, you know, since the early seventies and still going to this day, there's a reason yeah. is because they are those, there's only, there's not many people that, that come through, you know, history that could have a career like that. So in a sense, it, it is the same and they just want a product. They know what they want and they want it to be up here, stand the test of time. They're the biggest band in the world. They when they play to sixty thousand people and you know, and their music will never die or go away. So that's how you got to come in and deal with those people, and they just yeah. have that. They're not trying; they're just that. You walk into the room, you go, "Okay, I know where I have to be to make this happen." Right. I know some, uh, you know, in Gene and Paul, you know, over the years, it's it's funny. They're they're amazing work partners, but they're very different as people, and you know, they're like sometimes they do clash with their personalities. And I know that I've read several interviews with both of them about, especially about this record. And, and Paul himself has come out and said that, you know, he felt that Bruce was, you know, siding more with Gene on a lot of things on this record and that Bruce was fast to discount stuff that he brought in, but would love stuff Gene brought in. And that if Bruce could have decided like Bruce would have picked the whole album to sound like the song within. Do you remember any, any of that tension? I, I do. And here's how Bruce works. So uh, Bruce is a producer and you know what they, Paul and Gene work very well together, but you know, and again, I don't know what happens behind the scenes, but right. I know like in the studio for a fact, and probably that's what Bruce sees. So we don't know the band. I don't know what they do when they go home in between hours. All I know is what happens in the studio. So when we show up at work and Bruce and I hired to make this record, what Bruce sees is Gene is probably the hard, even though Paul and him might work the same, but Gene's the first one at the studio and the last yeah. one to leave every day. Paul will be there every day too, but he might skip a day or he might be a little late because he had a business meeting. But what he sees in the studio is Gene is 100% all there. Like he does not skip a beat he like i said he is the first one there and the last one to leave and is most engaged with bruce so bruce as the producer goes okay i gotta find the who's who do i feel in this studio environment is gonna be my who am i taking on my team mm -hmm. so he will pull gene because he sees gene probably as the strongest one even though he right. he may not be in other areas but in as far as that studio showing up on time making sure that we spend all the hours so bruce is just gravitating to the strongest one and then obviously gene sees this and then plays to that and then they're able to they you know there's there's it's it's a, a game starts going on of, of yes. and then the other ones have to start fighting but then they're maybe not you know they don't have the gene power that comes in so <laughs> that's what i see and that's coming from my you know just mm -hmm. how i see the record and being in the studio yeah and and yeah so it's it's kind of fun when you see the dynamics but then it takes those dynamics because if it was just left to g 
to Bruce and Gene, yeah, you would have a record that sounded everything like within, you know, or, but <laughs> so it takes the other characters to, you know, bring them over to this side a little bit. But, you know, if that side is weak, it's just not going to bring this anchor. This anchor over here knows it needs to get a little bit of this. So it will mm -hmm. bend a little bit, but the other team's sometimes not as strong to bend this, this team over here. And maybe inspire yeah. the other ones to maybe try a little harder like Gene is. Yeah. And maybe and maybe they're trying as hard as they want. And maybe it's not even about them trying. Maybe like for them, like whatever they're doing, you know, it's a, it's just a different role. It's like even when Bruce and I show up at the studio, like even though Bruce is a producer, I'm at the studio way longer and way later than him because my job in that studio environment is a different role than Bruce plays. So like where where's my anchor in this part of the record? You know, right. So everybody has their anchor in, in the record and it's whatever they bring that day. So, yeah. And that's what makes a cool record too. And that's what makes it even Psycho Circus. People are talking about that record today and there's, there's, yeah. there's controversy. So is that cool or not? I don't know, but it makes the record a, a part of history and time that people will talk about, you know, well, it's that record when they all came back, but you know what? There's some stuff going on there. It wasn't yeah. really all of them, but it was, they were there, you know? So it makes that record that, and you know, people want to go back there and look at it and go, well, why did, why did this stuff go down this way? But it's still a good record, but it's still Kiss, but it's not really Kiss, but it is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so that's why it'll always be here. And people, you know, the Kiss fans will always be interested in it and they'll always look at it and it'll, and it'll go down in their, in their history of, of everything mm -hmm. they did, you know? And it's just another, it's just another block in their chain. Sure. Yeah. yeah. They got a long chain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's just a cool another cool story to look at, and that and that yeah. people are even interested in it, which makes it cool too. That there's right. there are fans that are interested in it, and you know, it's like you're gonna have the people. There's always gonna be, you know, the people, the heroes of the of the you know, the I like him or no, I like him. I like it. it's right. just like even watching Formula One this weekend. You know, half the people yeah. want Verstappen to win, the other pe half want uh, Hamilton to win, and it's like it's a uh, Who's going to win the battle? Yeah. Right. That's what makes it cool. And whoever wins is going to always have 50% that weren't happy with that win. Yeah. And there's, um, there's some, and uh, like some of the demos, uh, that were being worked on for this record actually got, I don't know if you know about this, uh, in the last couple of years, they got, they've ended up got, getting leaked on YouTube. Did you oh, know? They did? This? I don't yeah. know. Somebody, I don't know who would leak them because I don't even know who would have. It sounds like if they were leaked, it came from Gene. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if Gene would no, do that, but free. maybe. <laughs> no, but yeah, maybe not. I don't know. Somebody leaked them. I don't know who would have the demo. So well, I know that um, I want to rule the world is out there now. Huh. That, that, I wonder who. That was I wonder one. who because like the only ones back then they would have had the demos would have been the band and Bruce, you know, or somebody at the label or management if somebody. Had a cassette. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know who would who would leak it. Hey, somebody got that golden cassette at a yard sale. Yeah, body and um, body and soul was one that got put out a Paul song, huh. and um, and then obviously and then sweet and dirty was wound up on Gene's solo record a few years later. Yeah. Um, I didn't know the, that the band themselves had actually demoed that, and then Carnival of Souls also wound up on his solo record, but. Um, you had mentioned in the book some of these titles, and there's one on here that I don't think anyone's ever heard, a song called Rear View. Do you remember this song? Yeah, Rear View, I do. It was a Gene song. That sounds like a Gene song. <laughs> it, 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 was a Gene, it was a Gene song. Oh, man. Oh, man. 
you think it's like your rear view, you think it's like you're contemplating your life, and then you find out it's a Gene Simmons song, and it's like, oh, it's about looking at a girl's butt. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh-huh. It's a very look at it the way you want to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, right. I remember. I remember that song. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's one that still hasn't gotten out. But um, but yeah. So uh, can we go a little bit of track by track and just sure. you know talk about your memories? Obviously, the title track though. This is one that it pretty much across the board, Kiss fans yeah. love this song, and it's it stands up to this day. It's it's one of the more powerful songs that Paul's put out. I think Psycho Circus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just a good song. It just has. It has, I don't know, it's just a great song. It sounds good. It sounds amazing. Like, it just, it's a cool song. Yeah, I always yeah. like that one because at the beginning, it's got like the slow build and then the big punch, you know, and it makes that a perfect yeah. lead off song on the album. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, Kiss is back. Well, I've been waiting here to be your guy. So come. And I think, like, I, for me, like, imagery is very, like, in, in music, like, I really see uh, imagery in songs and music, right? I just mm-hmm. think that uh, Psycho Circus also has that imagery. When you see it, you just feel like you're in something bigger than life. You could imagine them on stage, and it it just, it feels like when I listen to it, it's like, it, it's kind of some stuff like off Destroyer when I, you know, listen yeah. to Detroit Rock City or something. It puts it in that. It puts it in that category for me. Just the, mm-hmm. the you know, the feel of it and, and and the visuals I get when I listen to the song. It's like yes. to me, it's very Detroit Rock City. It reminds me of yes, and it's also the solo is is similar in theme too yeah. to like the Detroit Rock City solo. It's it's got kind of a thematic yeah, type sound that. to it. Yeah, and also we um. We interviewed Scott Van Zinn a few years ago, and you know he was writing with Gene um, a few years prior to this album, and it was Scott that actually put together that whole little intro piece that wound up being used at the beginning of uh, of the song, huh? With with the the, the circus carnival music, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Movie. That was Scott that put that together, and he wrote several songs with Gene oh, for the yeah. And, and what an amazing intro that is, right? It's just yeah. It's so Kiss. It's like that's what you that's what you imagine when you want to go see a show, a concert, and mm-hmm. like that's I could just imagine that whole even the that, yeah everything. It's like you put that record on. It's the first thing you just imagine being in that stadium with them, you yeah. know, the hundred thousand people going. And it's just that vibe. I don't know. It's like the vibe they give you. It's like I said. It's 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 nothing like any other band. It's like, it's like I said, it's like they're to me too. They're still like, they're from another planet, you know, they're aliens. Right. You know? It's just, they're, well, and, they're cool. And my hat's off to you and you and Bruce for the, the production, just cause I, the, the, the bigness of sound of this record, it's, it's got a giant guitar sound to it. And I love that about it. Yeah. 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 I remember we used to like Les Paul juniors on that. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so then, within comes up next, and I, I'm assuming, you know, because I know that you guys wound up using the the intro piece that uh, is used, the little backward guitar piece at the beginning, was a thing Bruce Kulick had put together, you know, for the Carnival of Souls sessions, and then you guys wound up using it on this. Um, what do you remember about putting that song together? 
I remember when we were doing it, though. It to me, it was one of my favorite songs on the record. Just the, the I love it. Yeah, I, I just loved like the, how drudgy it is, and just that slow tempo it has. It's it was one of my favorite songs to work on. I I just remember how much I liked that song, and probably even though I like Psycho Circus, but I think Within was my favorite. I just liked the way that one sounded. It was like to me. It's a lot of fun. Uh, as far as putting it together, yeah, I, I to go back there, I I couldn't exactly tell you, you know, how mm-hmm. how we did it, but I just remember it was, it, you know, still one of my favorite songs, or, or my favorite song on the record, I think. Kind of like the modern God of Thunder, almost, you know, it's got that same kind of heaviness to it. Exactly. I love it. Yeah, yeah. That was the that was the song when it when the album came out. I would drive around with my you know thrash metal loving friends, and I'd put it on and not tell them who it was. Like, yeah, who's that? I'm like that's the new Kiss song. They're like, get the fuck out of here. I was like, yeah, it really is. They couldn't believe it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, but like Wikipedia, I think has it wrong though because it mentions it says that Bruce plays lead and rhythm guitar on this, and I don't think that's the case. I think he just plays that beginning so. figure, right? I, I don't. Yeah, I don't remember. That I think that that was Tommy playing that, it. I'm that's pretty what sure I thought. That's Tom. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Tommy playing the the rhythms for sure. Maybe Bruce played the lead, but I know the rhythms was Tommy for sure because I remember the the Les Paul Jr. We used to record that that uh, song with. It was like Tom. It was Tommy's like he had a vintage '58 uh, Les Paul Jr. that we used. Awesome. So I remember I remember the guitar on it, and that was the only one that was tuned different. That mm-hmm. that that song was tuned down. Yeah, I love it. That's one of my favorite Kiss songs. Yeah. So that 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 leads into probably the longest song title in Kiss's discography. I pledge allegiance to the state of rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> um, I the guitar parts on this song, especially the solo, I think is is a standout moment on on this record. I, I'm not a big fan of the lyrics. The lyrics are a tad corny to me, but. I do like musically. I like this one a lot. Yeah, I do too. Actually, it's I, I like the song. I thought it, it has a good chorus. You want to sing along the chorus. And yeah, it just has like the good the good parts. The, the yeah, just the arrangement of it is is, is it's a cool song. Heard, heard songs like this and you talk about like Within has got like a little God of Thunder flavor to it and Psycho Circus has got like a flavor of Detroit Rock City this is totally rock and roll all night 
kind of a style of song. I always felt like I wondered if they were like, oh, we've got to have a new rock and roll all night. We've got to have a new, destroy, a new Detroit Rock City, a new God of Thunder, a new Shock Me, a new Beth. And went yes. with that with writing these songs because that's kind of the way it turns out. Yeah, that's kind of, I think, what we were in it. I don't remember if it was talked about, but I remember thinking that's what we were doing. I don't know if it was just from my end or that we talked about it. I don't remember, but I just remember, yes, kind of making like a Detroit Rock City or, you know, a Destroyer record, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does seem to mimic a lot of the, the concept behind Destroyer. Even Bob Ezrin came in and played uh, uh, Rhodes Piano on, uh, yeah. you know, I just remember him walking and I'm going, oh my God, Bob Ezrin's here. We got Bruce Fairbairn and like, <laughs> dude, like you know, Bob produced, you know, uh, Destroyer. Destroyer. And I'm going like, oh my, and I was like a huge Bob Ezrin fan too. Cause oh yeah. I like, you know, that just, it, yeah. And I was like, a, at that time I was like super into uh the uh, Pink Floyd uh, Division Bell, which he did, right? And I was just like, oh, and knowing the other, you know, just his back catalog. But yeah. yeah. How does Bruce and Bob interact? Tension or how's that go? Well, I don't know if they knew it, but when they walked in, I remember there was tension. You could feel it was like the battle of the egos, right? There was just <laughs> no. a thing. They didn't say anything, and they were cordial and everything, but I could just feel the tension. You know, I'm just going, oh, yeah, it's the battle of the egos, and they're all trying to be cool at the top of their game. You know, it's just right. it's just this thing, you know, you go, you just, because you know the people, and you go, yeah, he's acting a little different now, you know? It's like, <laughs> you know, and I could tell Bob's probably not in his, like, he has just like a bit, you know, walks in with an ego, like I'm Bob Ezrin, you know, where's that, oh, yeah. Rhodes, where's that Rhodes keyboard? I'm going to play it, you know, and Bruce Fairbairn's wow. there. So they're kind of, <laughs> you know, awesome. yeah, production super egos, you know, going. Yeah, it's just, but it's him. just so cool. You know, he comes in there and you're just going like, oh, like it was just like awesome. You know, here's Bob Ezrin playing like, you know, yeah, you know, just like, yeah, like I wish I could go back now because what I know now, like, I would just appreciate it so much more just to be in the room, you know. Like, you know, I got Bruce Fairbairn and, and Bob Ezrin in the same room working on a Kiss record. Like, this is like a dream. This is a dream come true. But at the yeah. time, I'm just, just kind of going through the motions, you know. But now I look, yeah, I'm just doing my job. But now I look back at it and go, man, like, what? A, that was amazing, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, but you, you, you don't, I didn't see it. I didn't see it from this angle back then, you know. Yeah, that's right. the thing. It, that's the way it always seems to go when we talk to people that were a part of historic moments. Nine times out of ten, it, at the time, it's just another day at work. Yeah, I'm just going to work, try to deal with my own day stuff, and you know, just li life in general, not knowing. And you're going to work making a Kiss record, and you know, at the time, it's like you know, because I'd already been into it for ten years. So yeah, it's just a normal job. It's yeah, it's Kiss, but. Like I'm going, I'm going to work, you know, but now I look back at it and go like, yeah, I wish, you know, cause if you knew where you were now, you'd maybe have it, you would look at it a little differently. I don't know, but it is, it mm. makes it what it is then, you know, so it, awesome. that's the reason it is. That's the reason why it is that record. It's just that, sure. moment, that moment in time we captured. Yeah. And you would, you had mentioned in the book on uh, I pledge allegiance that Bruce was actually back in a home in Vancouver at the time that you guys recorded that one. So you, you kind of took the lead on, on that one with Paul, right? Yes. Yes. I don't know. remember why Bruce went back to Vancouver, but he did go back and they wanted to keep working, but Bruce wanted to go home because he's used to going home and he does, he does, he didn't like being away from his family for too long. So he right. would go, okay, like I'll work this week, but I'm going to go home then for, you know, so yeah, so the guys didn't want to. So yeah, I remember we we kept working through that and 
I suppose he's used to everybody coming to his house, not having to go nowhere. Bruce? Yeah. Yeah, I used to everybody going to Vancouver. So, But, yeah, he, he was like, yeah, I'm going to go home. Like I said, he, his schedule is his schedule. And like I said, it was like, so, like, we're working from this day to this day, everything. And I'm flying home on this day, coming home. It's like, this is the times. And everything's yeah. very blocky. And that's... That's how Bruce worked, but you know. So it was a pretty strict schedule, as very strict. Like I said, it was like the teacher. He came in with a big stick, and every no matter who it was, they just okay. They listened. That's you know, Bruce is here. Like he just took the reins. Yeah, had some success with it, I'd say. (laughs) Oh yeah, 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 a lot. Yeah. Um. So then the next song is "Into the Void," and as we mentioned, this this is the one where all four guys, you know, actually got in and together and did this. Like, what was the vibe like with those four in the same room? Finally, I don't know. I just thought it was like they they were trying to make the best of it. Honestly, what I saw, they really were. Maybe there's like tension back and like just normal stuff that you're making a record. You know, like there's always. Because there's a struggle. There's always a struggle. We don't know what we're making. Like, it's easy to look back at it now. But when you're creating, you're going like, is this any good? Are people going to like this? Is like, what are our fans going to think? Like, we, you don't know when you're in the situation. You just think like, oh, my God. Like, so there's a lot of that anyways in the air, you know? Uh, So if there is other tension, sometimes their mask would just trying to get the best product and, you know, trying to get the best record done and, you know, like I said, it's like you're in the middle of it. And, and two, it, there was a lot of pressure, I think, on, you know, they wanted to make a great record. They they really wanted to make, Gene wanted not to just go in and have some record. Just, even though it was a stepping stone for their world tour, he really wanted to make a good record. It was important that they came out in the, and, and that the fans liked it, but he also wanted other people to think it's cool. He didn't want people to come out and go oh this record like oh it's a kiss you know what i mean and get all the get all the bad press he wanted to make a cool record so there Mm -hmm. and you're in it and it is a different sounding record too because it has a a sound to it so like when we're down that road it's like you know you get halfway into it and then you start second guessing it's like are we doing the right thing is this great are fans gonna like it how is how's everybody else gonna react it is it gonna get radio play and then you get into that yeah. You know, you're the head games of the doubt and then everybody else has it, you know, so you're all try, everybody's trying to fight through that and going, you know, trying to hold it together. No, we got something great here. No, it is actually really good. And then there's a second, get, you know, so yeah, you're in that. So if there's other tensions in there, like I said, they get masked a lot just because of everything else that's going on sure. during that, that you just really don't know where the, pro, you know, the issue is coming from sometimes. Yeah. Making the album's got to be just the main focus and everything else is secondary. Exactly. Exactly. But everybody has to, li- you know, life just happens, especially like when you're a couple months into it or whatever, It's and you're doing that every day, you start bringing other things with you, you know, it just happens, you know, you don't know what's going on, like got a flat tire on the way to work and I, you know, on the way to the studio and there's nobody took an hour for the tow truck to get, you know what I mean? Just things like that start adding up during it that throws you off your game a little bit. And, uh, but yeah, I just remember doing into the void. I I really liked that song too. I just thought it was a cool song and it was really simple. I like how simple it is and open and it felt really raw, but I thought it, I thought it did a good job of capturing the band uh, being a pretty cool song. 
Did it? Was did it? I'm, I mean, as somebody who grew up a Kiss fan on the originals, you. I mean, it must have been kind of exciting to see them all doing that one. Were they happy with with how it was going when they, they were? They were, and I remember actually Ace because like up to Ace was the first uh, singer when he sang. He didn't want to hear his double, so when he doubled his vocals, he'd go take my original out. And I remember like he was so tight doubling his vocal. I've never heard a singer be able to double their vocal as tight as Ace could double his vocal. It was always like I would put up the track and it would sound like it was hard to tell they were doubled. Wow. And he wouldn't even listen to it and he would double it that tight. And all other singers, when they double themselves, they'll listen, you know, 90%, every, most everybody I do, they always want to hear themselves or just a little bit of it to match the double. Right. And he goes like, no, I'll double it, but I don't want to hear it. And they would just be perfect doubles. Wow. Gotcha. That's wild. Perfect. Just you put them up and they'd be almost out of phase. They'd be so perfect. Wow. So I, that's, I remember doing that. I thought that was pretty cool. This crazy feeling's good with my song on the album I'm a big ace fraley fan i have been when i was like you said everybody's got their favorite member of kiss when i was a little kid i was ace fraley guy yeah and this album this song was the one i played over and over again it reminded me the most of you could take this song and set it on love gun you could set it on you know side four of alive two and it would fit perfectly yes yeah Exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a super cool record, and it just sounds cool to listen to it. And again, like you said, and, and for me, that one really gives me the imagery as well. Like I get yeah. super Im- like the imagery from that is just Kiss. Yeah, yeah, like from Love Gun or something. Super raw. I could just imagine being like when I was young with my record in my room, listening and looking at the cover of Love Gun too. You know. Yeah. yeah. Well, Mike, you don't know this, but Aaron, tell him what what you named your son. Oh, I named my son Ace. <laughs> oh, you did? <laughs> yes. I wanted him to have a nice. cool name and be able to be the first kid to know how to spell it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> how old's your kid? He's 21 now. Oh, he's 21. Nice. Yeah. Everybody, nobody knows. <laughs> yeah. Dad named me Ace from Ace Freely. That's super yeah. awesome. Yeah, no, it was... It, I thought that was that was cool. Yeah, the imagery on uh, Into the Void is cool, and I, I just remember Ace when he was doing vocals. Never wanted to, he wanted to double everything, all of his vocals, but he never he would do his lead and then do the other part, and it was just like it was perfect. I'm going, and it's just cool because it's Ace's voice too. So it just it doesn't sound like anybody else but Ace. Like you just like nobody could sound like Ace freely. It's just he has that. He has that voice and all you need is it one on the record. And it, to me, it just really ties the record together because it's just in the, it's like he is, he's almost the anchor of that record with into the void, you know, like without him and his voice in the middle of that record is just, yeah. that's what makes that record cool too is, is where, and where the song is placed in the running mm-hmm. order. 
Yeah. And it's just perfect. It's just, yes, this is exactly when I want to hear Ace's voice. Right. And then that goes to We Are One, which this is a, this one threw me for a loop when I heard it. Cause uh, I was like, I've never heard a kiss song sound like this. And I, it almost kind of, uh, I think even Gene referenced it. it. Like it reminded me of like a Coca-Cola commercial or something like, uh, yeah. I'd like uh, to teach the world to sing type thing. I, we were trying to do that. I forget why though. I don't remember, but yeah, we were trying to go for something like that. I don't remember if they were trying to get it in a, if it was for a commercial or they were just trying to, think this is going to be a single for radio but there was talks about it and i knew too it was like but it was kind of cool and we're kind of going is this going to be good or not i don't know i remember those conversations when we were doing it yeah and and just that anthem of it you know i think at the time we just thought maybe it would be like a we are the world you know that everybody would (laughs) sing along you know let's bring the world together or something you know kind of vibe we were trying to go Mm -hmm. for like you know like a kiss army or world Close your eyes, you're on the road again And then you realize they brought you back to life again Some things never change, but if you fantasize You'll feel it deep inside yourself And then you realize When you feel it coming Well, and that's another question I wanted to ask because, like, you know, one thing that it, that does make this record different from a lot of Kiss albums, because I mean, Kiss is known for songs about sex. Let's be honest. I mean, that's the majority of their material. It's partying and groupies. I mean, that's yeah. what they're known for. Yeah. There's really not much of that on this record. It's pretty much mostly celebrating the band and the fans. I mean, I'm assuming this was a, you know, a conscious effort to to go that route. Do you remember discussions about that? No, I don't actually. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know why they did it or the path we chose. I, it was just the path we chose. Mm-hmm. But I remember Gene, I'll tell you a funny story, I guess. He goes, I remember one time he goes, Mike, tomorrow I'm going to bring in the Bibles. <laughs> oh, Polaroid Bibles. The, Bibles. <laughs> the Polaroid yeah, books. The Polaroid Bible. <laughs> I'm going out like I didn't know what the Bibles were. So, anyways, he brings in these Polaroids, like just like, jeez, oh, and they're all dated and named. I thought like, holy man, this is crazy. Wow, you see <laughs> oh boy, oh yeah, I'm sure it was a uh, quite a spread of humanity that you had to witness when you look, went through those things. Oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> couldn't go through all of it. There's too many. Just, yeah, I've heard he likes showing those books off to a lot of people. Yeah. That's hilarious. But yeah, but yeah, we are one. That was one when I heard it. I was like, wow, this is very different from what I was expecting from especially from Gene Simmons, you know. It was it's it's a very different song. Yeah, I don't know. I, I remember there was I remember doing that song too and trying to make it like this big anthem this big anthem kind of thing, you know. Well, production wise it succeeds. I mean it it's especially the it sounds like there's a serious amount of layered vocals especially on the chorus oh know? there is there's yeah. there's stacked and stacked and layered and yeah yeah but no coke commercial came out of it that's too no, bad nothing came out of it. <laughs> not yet not yet maybe one day you know they 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 played that for the first time live on the kiss cruise a few weeks wow. ago oh they did they did my yeah. friend was my friend was doing guitar teching for them oh really yeah he's oh, he guitar teching for paul oh gotcha yeah um 
So then, then we go to "You Wanted the Best," and uh, oh, I like that one. That's a good. Do song. you? Yeah. And it, it's a. This was another kind of odd one because you know you've got all four members doing vocals and they're like doing this arguing back and forth thing. Um, yeah. That must have been a, f- a fun session to to be part of when they were recording the vocals. It was too, and I remember that song. I really enjoyed recording that song. I just always thought it was it was cool, and you know, because it was like you know, you want the best, you got the best, the hottest band in the world. You know, it came from there. So Gene wanted to put that into the song and make you know make it the song. You know, let's let's that was going to be part of it. You know, the hottest band in the world. You want the best. So I thought it was cool. I. I, I really enjoyed recording that song too. It was just like to me, it just made it feel like this is this is Kiss. I don't know, like mm. even though the song's different, but I just think the, you know, how we thought about it and how we approached the song that it really, we we're really going for Kiss, you know, and and just how he says that on which is it on Kiss Alive, yeah, where he goes, you want the best, you got the best. Well, Alive and Alive too. Yeah, he does it on both. So, and. uh I, I remember us talking about it and trying to go for that kind of thing, you know, just tie that together from that era into here, you know, yeah. how are we going to, how are we going to tie this record with, with old Kiss with the original? Cause again, they were gone for so long. That's why we really try, you know, cause we just didn't want to make it as like a continuation from the eighties. And here's like a nineties, late nineties sounding record. It's like, no, we kind of have to, even though it's the late nineties, we got to somehow tie it to the original four members mm-hmm. of the band. So, so we did talk about, there was talk about it, you know, I, you know, not, I'm not in these conversations, but sometimes I'm in the room privy to hearing. So whatever I hear, so, you know, that's just for me overhearing it, not me being part of the conversation, but me just hearing like maybe Bruce and Gene talking over the band talking through it, you know. vocals you know in this song all four of the original members all sing on it are they there at the same time while they're tracking the vocals no they they usually come at different uh, times i always just yeah, kind of imagine you know i always wanted to imagine the four of them standing around a microphone yeah i know oh. <laughs> no i don't think they no they didn't i think they all sang them at different times yeah yeah pretty sure there's a the quote from Bruce in the book is he says the guys had to all come in and do those lines like they were pissed off at each other. Yeah. And, and going to Peter, you have to sound pissed off. And he went, Oh, I can do that. No problem. Check this out. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. No problem with Peter Chris being pissed off. So when yeah. this is all going on, the recording of this album, is there ever any points in it where it's the four original members, they're all in the same room and they're all having a good time? <laughs> uh geez let me go back like 
a good time as what like I think it was no not like we would I think business wise that they were all in the same room business wise I think at staying at a certain you know we're here for business and that's how they looked at it you know maybe reminisced about some old times had a few laughs but as far as like hanging out and buddy buddy no 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 very different people yeah it's yeah. like we're we're here for business and and we'll tolerate each other while we're all in the room and maybe have a laugh or a remembrance of here or there but no yeah. we're here for business and yeah i got gotcha. you so uh, on I finally found my way, you know, this was like we had mentioned earlier that this was kind of like the continuation of Beth or, you know, an attempt at, that, at doing something like that. And I know, you know, Paul and Bob Ezrin wrote this song together yeah. for, for Peter. Um, what was, was Peter happy to be doing this song? Was he on board with this when it, when they went in the studio to do it? Uh, I, as far as I know, yes, he came in. Yeah. I remember doing the vocal with him. I never heard anything him not saying it. Like again, if if you've heard something different, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been in. Oh no, I haven't. No. No, as far as I know, he came in and 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 did it. That's and that's the song that Bob came in and played Rhodes on. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't remember anything. But I do remember going obviously for Beth on that song. Right. But, yeah. It's my least yeah. favorite song on the album. My yeah. least favorite song too. Me bro. too. I wanted to. I wanted to hear like a baby yeah. driver or hooligan type rocking song with Peter on it. That would have been more my right. speed. Yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a funny story, Mike. And I've told this on the show before about the time when this album comes out. I'm working as a DJ at a radio station, <laughs> and I picked up a side gig one night doing a reception for a wedding at a bar. And so I've never done this before. I say, sure, yeah, I'll be glad to come out there and do that. So I grabbed, like, I got a milk carton full of CDs, but they're my CDs. And so I assume that this wedding party is going to have their own songs picked out. When I get there, I go, okay, you guys got CDs, you got songs picked out, you want me to play? They're like, no, we thought you'd bring the music. And I said, well, all I got is this. They're like, well, do the best you can. I said, okay, so I'm playing all kinds of good rock throughout the night. But when it comes down time for the wedding dance, I don't have anything more suitable than I finally found my way. <laughs> Remember how we used to hide away. We'd share the secrets of our souls. Turn down the lights. What was that? That was terrible. You know, I'm like, I'm sorry, I ruined it. <laughs> it was the best I had. <laughs> That's a funny story, actually. Yeah. Funny. <laughs> oh man, that's good. That's good. So, uh, the song "Dreaming." Uh, are you aware of the the litigation that Alice Cooper's people brought against the band for this song? No, I didn't. Apparently, uh, the Alice Cooper's lawyers went after Paul Stanley, I think, uh, saying that it sounded too much like I'm 18 by Alice Cooper. 
Oh, you know what? I think I might have heard something about that. That was a long time ago, though, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I did. That was yeah, a long time ago. I don't know. I don't think it sounds that much like it. I mean, it's a similar por- chord progression that happens in a lot of songs. Yeah, it's know? the same chord progression. How many like songs? Song. It's like, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. We this definitely is- didn't try, like, you know, copy it, so... You know, if it's yeah, the, if the chord structure is the same, then like you said, it's the chord structure is the same in so many songs. Yeah, and I I think this is one of the better songs on the record myself. I I like it a lot, and uh, it's this is one that the that Bruce Kulick is credited as doing the bass part on. Do you remember? He that? did. He came in and played the bass on it. And I don't remember why Gene didn't play it, but I remember. I think they wanted Bruce on the. I think Gene wanted him on the record. Oh, gosh. for whatever reason, I think Gene wanted him to be a part of it, and so. He had him come in and play on that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's a good tune. And then um, the record finishes off with, you know, and I'm weird this way because it's not a straight up rock and roll track, but it's probably my favorite song on the record and journey of a thousand years. You know, it's, oh yeah, it's It's a cool song. It is. I just love how much buildup there is in it. You know, it just, it kind of just gets bigger and bigger on top of each other. And uh, Bruce even says in the book that, you know, he's like, this is one of those where I could have worked on it for years and continued to add stuff to it. But eventually you have to kind of call it quits on one of these songs, you know, because yeah. there's so much you can yeah. do with a song like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, again, we were trying to make something anthemic. I remember like something bigger, like finish the record bigger than life, you know, like this is Kiss, you know, we're back, you know, it's, it's like. Yeah, you know, and the title says it all, Journey of a Thousand Years, you know, it's like, that would be Kiss, you know. got an amazing vocal on this song yeah it's just big yeah let's make this song as big as we can and it just has to be big and epic and that's how we're gonna end the record and it's cool that they brought in the uh the orchestra to do the same tag from the psycho circus solo yeah yeah, yeah. Kind of... brought it back. yeah yeah, that was yeah i think that was bruce's idea it's very cool yeah because i know it's not necessarily a concept record but it has elements of a concept record. it definitely has elements and i yeah definitely elements of a concept record and i think in a way there i think there we were kind of making a concept record you know trying anyways you know it was both you know it was just like how are we going to bring kiss back like just not in you know a record we have to make it it has to be a really cool record. It has to be something interesting, you know? It's It's almost like a concept with a K, you know, it's, it's a concept record about kiss about their career. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's Mm -hmm. what it is. Let's tie in all like, let's tie in the last 30 years. Yeah. I still wanted more songs about groupies, but that's, (laughs) (laughs) he's upset that rear view got cut. Yeah. Rear view should have been on the record. Yeah. (laughs) I wonder, I should go look in my, 
see if I have it. I might have it, you know, like uh, on a dad tape. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, if you ever want to send it to us, say, we'd love you know, to hear. <laughs> the coolest people release their unreleased Kiss stuff on YouTube for everyone in the world to hear. Yeah, for exactly. Free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should have said that. Now it's going to probably come out, and then people go, "He said." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're going to get a barrage of emails from yeah. from Kiss hoarders wanting your stuff. Yeah, um, I don't, no, I don't even know if I. I'd have to. I'm sure it's somewhere. I'm sure there's like a rough mix of it or something somewhere. That would be cool to hear. That now I know that I saw Tommy Thayer said in an interview that he filmed a lot of the recording process of this record. Do you remember him going around with a camera? I yeah, there was. I I remember there was. There was a lot of there's photos and camera being shot. Man, I sure. wonder what happened to that footage because that would be cool to see. I love in studio stuff like you know. With, yeah, Tommy, if Tommy has it, I wonder because I'd be interested because I haven't seen any, you know, footage. I I have some photos. Oh, you do know. you? Uh, yeah, I have some photos in the studio. Not many though. I didn't take many. I wasn't really a picture taker back then. It's not like today. I wish I you know yeah. would have been all over the place. But yeah, I have a few photos of you know, back then. That's cool. Well, if you got it, if you got any of those handy, if you want to, you know, scan them and send them to us, we could help and use that for artwork when we put out this episode, if you got them handy. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll go through some pictures and see okay. what I have. I know, I know I have a couple, like I said, I wasn't really a picture taker in the studio, but I know I have a couple pictures, you know, and I don't, I don't, I don't even know who it is of. I don't even know if I have all four of them together. I might just take a, you know, I'll, I'll have to look, but like, I know I got a couple of Gene. I know I got a, a couple of Paul. And I know I got a couple of of Tommy for sure. I don't know if I have Ace or Peter in any photos, so it'd be a little lopsided right. maybe. But that's, that's just because I didn't take, you know, that's because I just didn't take photos in the studio. Right. Um, which I wish I would have, you know, looking back, that's one thing I wish I would have did a lot more of, you yeah. know, but I didn't. You'd have got a good picture of Bob and Bruce giving each other the stink eye. I, I, I do. I have, I have a picture of Bob playing the oh, roads cool. and Bruce. Nice. Yeah. So I could send oh, we'd you love that. To see that. And yeah. I could, I'll send you a picture of Bruce filling up. I know I have a picture of Bruce coloring our chart, you know, with all the song titles uh-huh. on it. Oh, wow. Cool. I'll send you that. I'll send you a couple of pictures tonight. Awesome. I'll go through them. And if I, if, yeah, so I'll send you a couple of photos. That's great. Right on. I'll, I'll scan them and, and, and send them to you. Was Kevin Valentine was he a uh, was he a Bruce guy? Did Bruce bring him in? Or, I don't know who brought him in. Actually. I think Gene and Paul. I always did. wondered. I always wondered why they didn't use Eric Singer in that spot. I don't know. I think Eric might have been off playing with Alice Cooper at the time. That would have been the, yeah. the only reason. Kevin Valentine was best friends with Eric Singer, so that I know that might have been the reason Kevin got brought. Because I know Gene and Paul. Uh, Kevin was involved with the Kiss Unplugged thing too before that, so he was around right. kind of the Kiss camp. So that, that's probably how he got brought yeah. on. Yeah, and he's a really good drummer. He was like, oh yeah, like he's amazing. Like I remember in the studio, like how good he was in the studio. I'm going like, like you know, you work with a lot of drummers and back then, and I remember working with him. I'm going like, man, this guy is like, he was one of the top drummers I recorded. You know, he was so good and he was so good at getting good drum sounds just the way he tuned his drums in the studio and stuff was yeah drums do sound great on psycho circus yeah oh yeah they sound big yeah they're Um, big it's that so it seems like you have overall very positive memories of of making this one i did it was yeah like i i had a good time making the record honestly i did it was like it, it was fun you know a few struggles here and there but overall it was really fun you know it was just fun and 
they were it, it was it was it was fun to go to work every day and record and i enjoyed the songs too so the songs were really fun to make did you ever see the band anymore after making the record uh i went to i saw them play actually in bc place for new year's eve two or new year's eve i think it was 2000 might have been 2000 yep. Yeah, ninety nine into two thousand. Yeah, so I think I I saw them. So I, that was the last time I probably saw them. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I saw them. That was the la- yeah last time. I yeah. remember seeing them and you know going backstage and seeing them the, before, and I, that was the first time I ever saw them in in their, you know. So I remember looking up at them, going like they were in, t- <laughs> you know, because I was in the studio with them, so it was just like normal, but. Man, when they were in their costumes, it was so intimidating. I'm standing next to them. I'm going, boy, you guys just got intimidating all of a sudden. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's too funny. Yeah. But yeah, that's a lot. But that was, awesome. it was just really cool to see them, you know. Because if I had my way making the record or if I could go back, I would tell them, you, have, you guys have, we have to make the record in your, like, in your costume. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's, full... Yeah, full, full brigade. You're not coming in in business suits to the studio. I want to. I want to make a record in your costumes. Yeah, you got to be in character yeah. the whole. You time. You have to be in character the whole time. I'm not letting you out of character. That'd be kind of fun if they came back and we did a record like that and they filmed it. We in character, a studio album in character would be fun. I'll put that out to. I'll put that out to Gene. That'd be funny to do one more record. They'd kill each other. Oh yeah, I would love that. Leave it and and oh. do it all. They have to be in character. So I'll send that. I'll send that on to the universe. See if Gene picks up on it and wants to make one last record with the band full makeup. Could you imagine? Just go, you guys. Got to leave this and you got to play it, film it all, the whole making mm-hmm. of the record, and them all in their outfits. I think would be amazing. Well, yeah, so the, the, the Beatles can have Get Back, and then we could have the documentary of Kiss making an album yeah. with their makeup on. Yeah, with, and they have, to, yeah, they have to come in, and we can't with record without their it. makeup on. Do it in a big... Yeah, that'd be fun, actually. I want that. I, I don't want think it would be to, fun for them. It would for us. You guys need to make that, you guys need to make that happen no. somehow. Get, get it into the, you know... Oh, yeah, they're going to listen to us. Yeah, start putting that out there to the fans, so the fans start tweeting that, you know? So, like... Well, I, yeah, and I saw there. There's a lot of Kiss fans that you know that grew up on them in the '70s, and that's the way they thought the band made records back in the day. I know. They so let's make let's that. make one, and maybe it'll sure. like be a whole new thing. Maybe we'll just capture some weird energy with them all, like in makeup and everything, and in their getup in the studio would be awesome. Yeah, I'm for it. Yeah, they'll be like, "Yeah, sure, Mike." And you put on fifty pounds of armor and seven heels. I would do it. I would dress up if they to do the record to to do one with them. Just to you know, I think it'd be awesome. <laughs> that would be great. It would be awesome. Oh, <laughs> well, and you, I love that. Yeah, and um, so I went through your discography. Man, you are very in demand. You have done so much work. It's it's pretty crazy how much uh, how much yeah. stuff you've done and. You've worked with a lot of great bands over the years. Well, like, what do you do? You have anything in the coming up in the near future that people can be on the lookout for? Yeah, so I just did this actually amazing record that's going to be coming out. Well, I got a couple. There's like a bunch, but uh, Tommy Hendrickson, he's the guitar player. Oh yeah, in, in Cooper. So I did a record with him. And it's called Scully, and it's coming out this January, the first single, and it's amazing. It's like. ACDC Back in Black meets Def Leppard and Mutt Lang was involved in the record and it's amazing so that's coming out 
And then um, uh, uh, January 11th, I start a new record with Steel Panther. Oh, nice. Oh, cool. So I'm going to do that. And then right after Steel Panther, a Swedish metal band called In Flames. So I'm doing that. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. So doing that next. And right now, I just, I'm just i in the middle of just finishing Otep for a new record. Awesome. And working with this other band called, I'm mixing actually right now. I just took a break to do this called Kiss the Scientist. So a new young band, which is pretty cool, like just a good rock band. So doing that. And Check that out. New Three Days Grace just came out. Uh, a week ago, so I just finished that new single, and wow. a new and the new album. So that's that's coming out. Yeah, so busy. You gotta love it. You gotta. Like, what do you got going on? Oh, these twenty things. <laughs> I was like, when do you sleep? I know. <laughs> that's awesome, though. Beats the that's alternative. Awesome. That's for sure. Yeah, I know. I w- yeah. I love it. I wouldn't want to do anything else. Like I'm so lucky and blessed that I get to come here and do this every day. You know, that's and still doing it. You know, and. That's very cool. So, and yeah. you got, man, you got a discography that you've had a hand on a mile long. We'd love to have you back on someday. I mean, there's so many other albums we could talk about. Definitely. I love talking about it. And I think, like, the fans should know. I just think, you know, it needs to all be, you know, all be out there for everybody to enjoy, you know. And, you know, because all, you know, all music and everything creates, you know, shapes history, shapes the future, everything. So it's like, you know, these bands are a big part of our culture today. You know, like a band like Kiss that's been around and has a fan base like they do for 70 or for 30 years, you know, they've been around here like since the early 70s. Yeah. You know, like they've, they're part of creating the culture, you know, culture and everything, you know, a lot of, you know, art, art dictates the future, you know. That's right. Yeah. And we love to get these, you know, stories from behind the scenes, the making of the music, because it's all, as, you know, we're just, we're nerds, but we know it's very important to, to hear the people that were involved in those things and that this, these albums unleashed episodes we've done they're probably our most popular because people love to get into the nuts and bolts of how these records were made yeah they don't call us decibel geek for nothing yeah yep. thanks mike we appreciate it thanks mike it was good meeting you man yeah good meeting you guys too have a great night yeah.